Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From broadcast to podcast, this is Outkick 360 across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. The crew is all here as well. If you're joining us on YouTube, on Twitter, we appreciate you. And if you're listening in Florence, Alabama, Knoxville, Tennessee, and right here in Nashville, we say thank you as well. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick 360. The Tennessee Power Hour means Titans and Vols reaction to the football weekend. And we start with the Tennessee Titans uh, that were thoroughly handled uh, by the Arizona Cardinals in week one. Guys, I tweeted out in the third quarter, at about a minute left of third quarter, what, something I never thought I would tweet before the fourth quarter even started. What a trash performance by the Tennessee Titans. Just a horrible, horrible game that they played top to bottom. This was man for man a failure, what we saw at Nissan Stadium. Uh, at times, just lackluster. At other times, just not good enough. Man for man, Arizona was simply better. At other times, this was just misery. And we're going to discuss a lot of this throughout this hour. There's a lot to dissect here. The Titans went in to week one with high expectations they can still reach those high expectations. All is not lost here. The Chiefs uh, and, and the Browns, one of those two teams was going into week one, 0-1. It ended up being Cleveland. But the Bills also 0-1. The Packers are 0-1. The Colts are 0-1. You catch where I'm going here. But the way that the Titans lost that game yesterday, after all of the offseason talk and all of the hype and the buy-in, where this team knows that they're good and they know that they're a contender, contenders don't show up and play like that in week one of the NFL season. And Roger Saffold talked about a mulligan. And maybe nine weeks from now, we look back and we think, ah, all's not lost, no big deal. But the performance that we saw yesterday, it's hard not to go 24 hours later and looking back on it and think, there are a lot of big problems that they have to answer quickly and address with the guys that they have on this roster because up front of the offensive line, Paul, they have major issues. Well, I'll start two places. And uh, one of them's on the offensive line. A lot of people in my chat and uh, my site were talking about David Questenberry, who was a disaster on the right side. But he's not making what Taylor Lewan's making on the left side. And we talked about dropping Taylor Lewan back in there and getting back to some sense of stability where you could count on the left side being locked down. And he needed to, to come uh, have a wash, at least with Chandler Jones. He was terrible against Chandler Jones. And he sat out two series with cramps. He was not on the field for a weak, while. Weak which was a weak showing when he's on the bicycle. He was not on the field there. And that takes me to another time when two key guys were not on the field. On a third and two, when they were driving to score before the half, when Racy McMath, Chester Rogers, and Nick Westbrook-Akina were the three receivers on the field because it appeared Julio Jones and A.J. Brown were winded in a high-paced 
two-minute drive, and they need to be off the field on a third and two. I can't have these two guys who the offense is allegedly built around with, a, uh, with Derrick Henry tapping out or being taken out for whatever reason. You can say that the offense is going to run the same if Nick Westbrook-Akina is on the field, but let's be for real. Racy McMath can't be on the field for A.J. Brown or Julio Jones at a crucial moment. I don't even remember what happened on the play. I just remember thinking, my God, they're actually going to take these two guys off the field when they've hardly thrown to them? When this well, whole gonna, offense gets keyed around to them, yeah, they can throw them the same amount. What does it matter? I, I don't understand a plan where you're just going to ignore these two guys for the first half and be cute. There was an arrogance to this game where Derrick Henry said after the game, he, he rallied the guys on the sideline and yelled at them at one point, and he knew he wasn't doing his part either. But he said, what, what's with this lack of, they were out here lackadaisical, just kind of standing around. It's, and I felt like the Titans just felt like they were going to roll out there and take care of things after talking all preseason and all camp about how good they were going to be. I was asked last night on TV to describe with one word my reaction to the game. Paul, your description right there is dead on. And because of those, all the off-season fervor and the attention to detail and everything in between, I was puzzled. I said, this is puzzling. That's my one word. Because I, I never expected them to look that lackluster against an opponent that came in ready to go. They returned practically everybody. Um, it's, a, it's an offense that's been together for some time with Kyler Murray, uh, with Cliff Kingsbury. And they came out firing on all cylinders. And for the last several weeks, we have been discussing how important it is for this Titans team to start fast, given their schedule. Uh, they did the exact opposite, Chad. And Lawan was bad, but Paul, David Questenberry is part of the problem because they're starting David Questenberry at right tackle. That is a major issue and a flaw in their overall plan. Right, but... They should be able to spend all of their help attention over there and never have to say, well, oh, my God, we got to worry about what's going on on the left side with our multi-million dollar three-time Pro Bowl left tackle. Oh, where's he? Oh, he's on a bike because he's got cramps. Um, it was a very, very First two poor possessions, I'm thinking, oh, sure, sure would be nice to, to have De- uh, Dennis Kelly at right tackle. Uh, I, I will say this about Dennis Kelly. We have no idea how good Dennis Kelly is right now. He's not playing in Green Bay. And they let him go because they thought he was going to be done. The problem is their failure to replace Dennis Kelly, their failure to replace Jack Conklin with the Isaiah Wilson pick, which is bad, the Dylan Radens pick, which so far is bad. It's okay to let people go. You've got to replace them. And they've failed to replace Well, you've got to have something mm-hmm. – to take over. It's not a – we think he's done, even though he's been very good for us. On the right side, he's so, been very good. So he's going to be gone now with nothing to replace him with other than a guy you drafted to play well, right tackle. Well, you're allowed to make good selections guard. in the first and second round, which they failed to do. All right, let, let's get into the, the – the, how two players took over this game, Kyler Murray and Chandler Jones, and not one player was able to step up and take over this game for the Titans. Not Kevin even, Byard tried to provide close. a spark with the interception. But the, the, I, I'm, it's puzzling because this game was never in doubt. Chandler Jones had the strip sack fumble that I thought was going to be a defensive touchdown. It ends up being on the one. They get up 10 nothing. At that point, that was the wake-up call, the slap in the face, and the Titans never responded to it. They were incoherent. I, 
a bunch of things to get into with this just utter failure from the Titans. And, and that's – in order to move forward with something, and this is just one game, yada, 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 all of that. We all understand that. You have to address the problem. And there are too many to count uh, with this Titans team with this performance. Uh, this was a failure on every level. Head coach, failure. The two new coordinators, awful. Did nothing to adjust. They were. Absolutely nothing. And I have said it all offseason because I was not going to be fooled again after Dean Pease was replaced. Never take lightly a great coordinator and replacing him with someone else because that next guy could suck. Todd Downing sucked for one game. He can get better. That was an awful performance. Shane Bowen was terrible. Bud Dupree paid a ton of money. Looked like a fool chasing Kyler Murray at one point. Slow. You want to talk about capture, not kill? The one time the dude looked fast the entire game, he sprinted like a scud missile right past <laughs> Kyler Murray and looked like he was on skates as he fell to the ground and Kyler Murray made another impressive play against him. This team embarrassed themselves yesterday, and they better feel that embarrassment in order to improve. I am tired of fashion shows from everyone in Titan Central before the game, and apparently Mike Frabel, the head coach, is too. Because when Luke Warsham asked him a question about swagger or whatever it was, they said, it doesn't matter how expensive your suits are. And I thought that was a direct shot at guys caring more about what they're wearing than their performance in games. Sure. This is a problem with this organization. Whether it be getting people through the gates, not having enough bottled water in the stadium, running out of chicken at the chicken shack during the game, or having a star, star left tackle that's highly paid play like Wills Vitek in a game. There is a cavalier attitude and arrogance about this group, and they have not earned it. This team has won one division. One. One time. They've won the AFC South. Twice. One time. Twice. They won it two won years ago? 2002. The first year of the Oh, I'm sorry. Realignment. No, I'm saying this group, Paul. Oh, this group. This group yeah. has won one. I'm talking about the group here now that's had success the last few years. They won one division title. I can go through a lot of terrible NFL franchises that have won one division title in the last 19 years, right? That 18 years, they've won one title. This group has won one also. They have got to pull it together, and they have got to stop acting like practice doesn't matter, preseason games they don't matter but there is something that goes in line with as I tweeted it's almost like the good players on this team didn't practice or play going into this game guys that looked like a performance of a team that was not ready for the NFL regular season to get here that's that's what that reeked of to me maybe they can completely turn it around in one week and guys will actually start you know practicing uh, and getting ready to play but that looked like a team who simply was not ready to play. You know what it looked like? Yes, it was a much better opponent on their side. It looked like Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee going into Georgia State. They didn't have a plan, and whatever the plan was, there was no adjustment when that plan went right in their face in that game, and they better figure it out. Paul, you have to go back to 2015 to find a game where they were slapped around like that um, at home. Now, they lost 21 nothing a couple years ago to Baltimore, but they were just easily handled by the Miami Dolphins in 2015. It's been a while. And, and yesterday's performance was reminiscent of some of the worst moments we've seen over the last decade, not some of the best. I, 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 Vrabel said today when I asked him, I, I, I'm not dismissive 
uh, of, of this thing that you guys are saying he said uh, about the preseason. I don't think they had to play in preseason games. I think the offense needed to be together sometime in camp. He said it was uh, this is who we had. This is who's available for practice. That part was fine. And this is the plan we had was the end of that. This is the plan we had. That plan did not work. That plan did not get them ready. They weren't ready last year either. They lucked out in Denver against a bad team on a night that they missed a bunch of kicks and everything. But I don't understand this arrogance about this is the way we're going to do it in the preseason and we'll be fine on opening day. The offense was together Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of like 45 days getting ready. And if every guy you have has something tweaked, something you're doing is wrong. Chad, I raised this topic about the offense not playing together, the first practice against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when the old veteran-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers practiced everybody in the joint practice against the Titans. And I saw A.J. Brown watching from the sideline in photos. We had Paul on live from Tampa. Julio Jones, of course, was not practicing. They weren't getting much done from the guys who were going to matter on game day when it actually counted. So nonchalant and I about brought, it. And I brought up the first-team offense having not had one solid practice together as a group. Because when they first started... AJ and Julio had practiced together briefly, but Lawan was being helped along. They, they weren't, and of course, Henry wasn't doing anything 11 on 11. There was, an, there was a big issue with that yesterday. And yesterday was about getting Henry going because the passing game was not going to be in sync because they haven't practiced together all that much, despite what AJ Brown wants to say about what the media has been allowed Did to behind see. Behind the scenes. Yeah. If, that's, if, if you're going to go to that, then it's it really, there are some t- terrible things going on behind the scenes. Uh, my guess is they haven't been together all that much. They need some cohesion. They need some timing. It was an offense that lacked the timing and an offense that is really slow out of the gates when it comes to running the football. They've been great running the football, but in the month of September, slow out of the gates and they rely more on their passing game. That's been well documented on this show. They did not have that yesterday. And when we come back, the real reason layered to this game offensively as to why this game got away from them. It's not the fumble. It's not when they trailed 10 nothing. We'll, we'll go a couple layers deeper on what happened to the Titans and what Todd Downing is so far has not been able to do that Arthur Smith was great at after one game. And, and what we're following as this team tries to correct some of the mistakes and goes to Seattle. I'll, I'll tell you exactly one area that they have to address right now and maybe last night as they reviewed this film. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Crew all here today making the show happen for us. Jacob Swanson and Jonathan Moulton, along with David Reed, the chairman of the board. Ellie Sylvia, our great production assistant. Becca Risley and Sleepy Danny back at Mission Control for OutKick. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Time to see clearly with Toyo's Clinic and Dr. Rolando Toyos, Outkick 360's trusted partner for all things LASIK and hair restoration. Call 888-315-3937 to schedule your consultation today with Toyo's Clinic. See better, look better. Again, that number, 888-315-3937. Guys, I'm, I see clearly exactly where the Titans have to start their evaluation process of exactly what went wrong offensively. And the, the devil's in the details here, Paul. First four possessions, all third downs were third and double digits. Zero movement up front. But it's not third down. It's first, it's first down. down. Yep. 
Here are the first down plays. This was the, all first down plays for the Tennessee Titans offense until the game was 24 to 6. Minus three, minus one, two yards, minus six, minus one, incomplete pass, two yards, 11 yards, incomplete, no gain. Those are their first down plays yesterday. And we have detailed over the past year and a half on this show and others where Arthur Smith really excelled and where Ryan Tannehill excelled. First and second down, setting up third and manageable if they even had to get to third down. They were very efficient offensively on the first two downs last year. Yesterday, they were behind the chains from the first snap of every drive. And the first three of those in the first quarter are Derrick Henry runs. Negative, negative, and two yards. Look, it's entirely predictable entirely predictable it's exactly what the cardinals expect you to do you've got to do different and chad you'll love this stat the titans through the first quarter fewer yards than points which is very hard to do when you have zero points Mm. yeah it's Mm. um (laughs) it it was mm, 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 mm. Uh, it was there was no creativity um it was so predictable that you, I mean, another disturbing part of it is just look at the preparation and the way Arizona looked at knowing what the Titans were doing as opposed to what the Titans were doing on the other side. Um, so many troubling themes with this game. But Todd Downing, look, I get that the Titans' offense is talented. We all know that. The offense still should be very good moving forward based on personnel. But you cannot downplay what Arthur Smith did with that talent and how he molded a system that worked great for the guys they had. And part of that talent is Julio Jones and Julio Jones replacing Corey Davis. He was bad. Julio Jones not only was bad, he looked slow. He looked hurt. He did not look good. Three balls off it's, his it's hands. It's not just that two he was not productive. He didn't look right. I think two of them should have been caught. The one that turned into an interception that he hit up into the air that had 10 seconds for them to basically fair catch. I think he should have caught. The one in the end zone was well defended, but it hits his hands first. That's the kind of play that you're looking for a Hall of Fame guy to snatch and, and secure for a catch. The other one at the sidelines that was off his hands was on him very quickly. That would have been a miracle catch. I think. And then... All three are catches that Julio Jones makes. And then his coach today said the penalty is a, is the kind of dumb thing a guy does that qualifies as dumb bleep that sets you back, that turns a third and one into a third and 16 that can't happen. His first appearance on the stat sheet was a 15-yard penalty. They didn't even attempt to give him the football until it was 17 to nothing. And A.J. AJ Brown didn't even get the football till. Late in the second quarter. That's being too cute, all right? I'm saying you're forcing it to Derrick Henry, and that's dumb. Where are the, the routes to the middle of the field, the slant-type well, stuff that both probably, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown do very well on? Force-feed that. Probably those routes were happening as Taylor Lewan was a turnstile. Yeah, but... Other times, Tannehill held the ball for a while, waiting for stuff. The receivers did not separate yesterday they did not separate and that was another part of the problem the, just, the protection was terrible but there was no separation from does, the receivers nothing worked are we are we sure that taylor Lewan comes back from this injury 
I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, guys, but I, I'm watching that game and I'm seeing a guy that he's just getting run around. around. Mentally, though, was not there either. And I, I know that it was. They said it was cramps well, or he whatever. He looked like a guy who checked out because he was such a problem for his team. Well, he admitted that on Twitter. And I mean, it's. And I'm also tired of the admitting on Twitter, but only because you can't. Joe Thomas isn't having to go. What having to go on Twitter to, to admit to a complete failure. Like you're going no. up against the best pass rush on their team. No, but we I know. think he's validating what you're asking, though. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I don't know. I, I'm looking at a guy and thinking, that's tough to come back from, because he looked like he couldn't he's do anything. No choice. It wasn't just that he got beat a few times. Guys, he wasn't even laying a hand on Chandler Jones a couple of those times. And he's supposed to handle speed first amongst everything, right? His quickness is his number one thing. He's super athletic. If you're going to beat him, I would think that you would run over him or run inside of him. Running around him to the outside is very concerning to me. Chad, if that's true, that is the worst possible nightmare for John Robinson. For a team that has no tackle. They are ill-equipped to replace him this year. Now, they have tackles. Yeah. They don't have good ones. Well, I mean, Kendall Lamb was not good. Um, David Quesenberry is not, not a starting right tackle, and although Sam he started Brilo, yesterday. And so Brilo can't outplay either of them. Well, well, let's, they, well let's, the real issue is on the bench yes, inactive. The real issue is on a Guard. bench and probably uh, behind a bong somewhere in Isaiah Wilson. Those are the issues at tackle. They got one guy who's not even playing in the league and another guy who was drafted at right <laughs> He's tackle. protecting his bong. Who's a backup yeah, guard. They, but, I mean, that guy's protecting his bong better than uh, Taylor Lewan protected Tannehill yesterday. I'll tell you that much. Um, I mean, I, I, look, I don't want to be extremist here, but I'm looking at a guy in, in Lewan yesterday. I'm thinking, we've seen players fall off a cliff all at once. Well, what's the He's old coming adage? back from a major injury. He looked like a guy who's done. Well, what's the old adage? Once you start getting hurt, you don't stop. Once you start having surgeries, you don't stop having surgeries. But here's... here's and, and he's already bat- he was already battling two other injuries prior to his knee injury last year. He was battling through, and more credit to him on that. Uh, but th- let's stick with the was injury thing for a second. You talked about Dupree also. You're Did, saying mentally he's not there let with me, let me Let me go deeper into this. All right, we try to go a layer deeper on everything. Because everyone's going to do it. I, I made the joke on Twitter that got a lot of retweets. Sorry, I've got the new headset here, and I've got to figure it out. Um, Don't strangle yourself. Well, I mean, let's not do that. I'm, I made the joke about Chandler Jones now owns the Bussin' with the Boys bus based on that performance. <laughs> and people immediately started going at it with, oh, yeah, the guy can't have a life outside of football and can't have podcasts. Which is not what I, you said. I never said that at all. It was, a, it was a lighthearted joke about his podcast. You meant it when you said Bussin' with the Booze, though, instead of Bussin' with the Boys. I did not say that. You I also I, said I didn't, Granddaddy. Didn't, say um, didn't you say Granddaddy? No, I said that uh, uh, now, legally, Taylor Lewan is forced to call Chandler Jones dad the way all Titans fans call Taylor Lewan dad. Here's the issue, though, with the podcast that I've not heard a single person bring up, and I saved this for you guys today. Okay. Andrew Luck had various interests. Andrew Luck got hurt enough times and said, I care about other things in life other than this. I'm retiring early. What people don't want to acknowledge about Taylor Lewan is, of course, he can host a podcast in the offseason and play in the NFL. Taylor Lewan, though, is a funny, interesting dude that I don't see hanging around football very long when he sucks at it. 
and he's not going to battle through injury after injury when he could go make seven figures as a media member. I think people are right far, away. maybe I'm wrong, because this didn't apply to Pat McAfee. I think people are far inter- less interested in Taylor Lewan when he's not a football player anymore. I, I, it doesn't matter because he's already getting paid money to be a media yeah, member. Yeah, he's already with Barstool. Now, he's already with Barstool Sports. So regardless of what you think about his market, he clearly has other interests. I mean, Paul, what do you think about Taylor Lewan's capacity to want to fight through injury after injury and come back from one really bad injury, go out there in one game, look again like Wills Vitek against Chandler Jones, and then battle back? If he goes out there against Seattle and looks like this again, I fear for the Titans that he's getting closer to retirement than a bounce back. I also want to throw this in there because there, there were people on Twitter like, oh, he's coming back from injury. He's just rusty. Chandler Jones played in five games last season due to injury. He had five sacks yesterday. I think uh, Taylor Lewan has been a superior athlete for a long time who's got uh, some significant money still coming to him, who's a proud guy who's going to be determined – to get better he's due 11 6 this year 12 9 next year and 14 8 in 2023 i would think he's with this team through 2022 that they could line up their next left tackle but they gotta stop turning over the offensive line and make one last run with this group which is supposed to be a foundational good piece and can't go to, we're getting to to away off one bad game we're getting way in the weeds here in 2022 this is about Next Man. week. Yes. Is he a liability next week? And the answer is yes. And if, if Chad's right, if he's not confident in his knee injury, no matter if he's on the injury report or not, they're going to slide protect to help Taylor Lewan in this game? Well, let's I say this. And, and let's say this. People, if, things people go, are, if things go horribly, well, by the way, me, Seattle's defense had three sacks on Carson Wentz. If, if that start, if things go haywire, is he, is he going to cramp up me, in Seattle? Let me clarify, too, what I'm saying, because I've already got people in the YouTube chat and on Twitter saying, oh, Chad thinks that Taylor Wan's soft because of one game or that 90% of the Titans are soft. I'm not saying Taylor Wan is soft. This is a compliment to Taylor Lewan. He can do other things beside play tackle. No, I, see what I, I know what you're saying. He is already a success as a podcaster, and I think that he could do some nice things in media. And I believe Taylor Wan has a personality that enjoys hamming it up that way. My simple question is, is the motivation going to be there if this continues to happen? And I'm not talking about happen in 2022. If he is a VTech level liability next week, and then the week after that, at what point does Taylor Lewan pull the Andrew Luck and say, Guys, I got a lot of life left. I'm not going to go out there and get my guys in trouble or injured because I don't have it anymore, and I got plenty of things I can do. I've already made enough money. See ya. He worked his ass off to get back. I think he'll work his ass off to get all the way back. And I also think this. If they need to slide to one of their tackles and if they need to put a tight end with the other one of their tackles, they should still line up A.J. Brown on one side, Julio Jones on the other side, Derrick Henry in the backfield, and find ways to win plays on offense. But here's the problem. We got uh, Kay in the, uh, the, the YouTube chat saying, Lawan should have gotten a chip to help him out. How many chips can you have on offense? When your offensive line well, is that bad. Well, they did help him some. Okay, well, you got, we got to have a chip on the left side. Then we got to get a chip for Quesenberry. We got a chip. At some point, you've got one or two guys in a formation. Well, the, the because problem you're I'm saying, if everyone. the two guys in the formation are A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, and you got Derrick Henry in the backfield, which is a less than ideal situation, you should still win plays on offense. Here, here's the bigger issue, as I'm thinking and watching this yesterday. They went into halftime trailing 24-6. to 
and and I'm discussing some, you know, just getting off the field on defense, how they've got to win on first down, blah, blah, blah. The the issue that they faced yesterday was it was 24 to 6, and Tannehill faced no chance in the passing game. So at halftime, what do you do? You, you can't abandon the run because that's your offense. They're never going to truly abandon Derrick Henry. We know that based on history, uh, despite the coordinator turnover. But they have Taylor Lewan back, and they win in a halftime knowing that they can't protect their quarterback on either side. So what do you do down 24-6? to six? You're handcuffed. You're going to go too tight with the wide receivers that you've brought in this offseason and, and barely featured them in the first half? I don't, I, to me, that, that had to be puzzling for them, Paul. Oh, yeah. With a, with a trying to adjust to what Arizona was doing, knowing, number one, they weren't stopping that offense on the opposite side. And number two, they could not protect their quarterback. The issue that they're going to have moving forward is if it, Tannehill was not getting hit like this last season. When Lawan was healthy, they only allowed four sacks. Hey, hey, it, hey. When Lawan was in the lineup, the last year they only allowed 23 or 24 sacks total all year. They only allowed four sacks last season when Lawan was healthy. Tannehill wasn't getting hit all that much. He was lit up. He's yesterday. sore today. I don't think he's lost two fumbles in a Titans season before, and he lost two fumbles yesterday. Uh, he only lost one last season. Yeah. So here's the other thing. We're letting the defense off the hook because we're talking so much about the offense. There was not a drop of Chandler Jones and Bud Dupree yesterday, kind of like you were saying, Chad. Third down defense, third down defense. We heard this defense talking like things were fixed. The third down defense yesterday was percentage points worse than last year's all-time bad third down defense twice the titans went down and scored a touchdown what did the defense do gave up a responding touchdown drive to arizona wide receivers were problematic we knew deandre hopkins was good right aj green made some plays but the other guys who is supposed to be a mystery guy you don't know what he is he was terrific rondale moore made catches they didn't have much of a run game and they made it not matter capture don't kill didn't do anything the guy that killed was kyler murray the defense uh rashawn evans again looked like he didn't know what really was going on the defense wasn't any better the, the defense showed me nothing well, but on I, top of last year as crazy as this sounds i'm still willing to give the defense more of a break because that offense yesterday with those weapons they were truly elite and they ran against a quarterback they just simply could not tackle and they could not get close to. Well, How's they're going, going to, to fare run this into week? several that's of on, those quarterbacks. Look, that's, that's on the defense, but I'm saying if, you're, if, we're, if I've got a hierarchy of blame, oh, I know. everyone gets the blame, but I'm looking at that offense that's supposed to be truly special and be the great separator for this Titans no, team. But I wanted to be sure to get to forward. the defense because the defense did a lot of talking about, we've got our swagger oh, back. That's all fair, too. We're a swagger guy. We've got the confidence, all of this. And a lot of the fan base bought the preseason results. Oh, look how good they are on third down against Atlanta's third team and all of that. And we said, let's see it. We're going to have to well, see it. And they didn't show us anything. Here's the biggest issue with the defense. Arizona was not sharp. No, they all the penalties. penalties. They were calling timeouts to not get delay oh, that of games. No, that was bad. No, and the, they still were timeouts, getting touchdowns. They were still getting touchdowns. They, they were sharp enough, though, on third down to lead Finish. drives of 70, 70, and 75 yards. So they went the distance, even though early on it was set up on the doorstep for They were them. doing things to bail the Titans out with those penalties oh, yeah. and with those well, timeouts, and the yes. Titans couldn't take advantage yes. of that. Let's go to defense, though. 
Okay? Huge problem a year ago. What did Titans do to correct the problem? They named Shane Bowen defensive coordinator. Okay, step one. Good. Got a guy you know he's calling plays. He's got the title, defensive coordinator. Danico Autry, did he start yesterday, he Paul? He didn't start. Blaine, uh, Blake Benningfield pointed this out. He got out-snapped by Lorel Murchison. Danico oh. Autry, a guy who came from I a did, really, good, that. really good defense in Indianapolis, was expected to be a tone setter on the defensive line coming in to help Jeffrey Simmons, did not start. Jack Rabbit Jenkins, how was his performance He's yesterday? slipping all over the place. I, I don't know if he knows how to pick shoes. First... First uh, series, right, is when fell he down. slipped and, and fell down. Jack Rabbit Jenkins, not Did very not good. Did not look good. Looked old. Bud Dupree, not Slow. very good. Slow. Again, Bud Dupree, a guy who came from a very good I defense in Pittsburgh. Him. I didn't notice Didn't him. notice yeah, him. Which is saying now something here's, about now, edge running. Here's my, my bigger issue with all this. Caleb Farley is on special teams. Yeah. Caleb Farley was a guy that where he was selected, everyone said – Boy, if he's, he's going to be healthy, but if he were completely healthy and didn't have the back problem, then he would be a top five or top ten pick. Top five or top ten picks start at cornerback. Yeah, Caleb Farley is healthy enough to be on the field. Chad, he should be starting. Here's good news. The game went badly enough that the Titans were able to play their first-round draft pick the last couple series. It was 38-13. We saw we were able to see their first round draft. No, not their second round. We, hold on, they couldn't play yeah. their second round. Let's not go it's like crazy. Calling up prospects in September. Let's well, not go people, crazy. People wanted to defend, you know, John Robinson on the Rashad Weaver thing of not knowing about the impending charge against him in, in Pittsburgh, and we were critical of that and said it just shows a lack of research and it's bad following up on the Isaiah Wilson lack of research. And homework, right? But then we watch Rashad Weaver in the preseason, and even I get fooled into thinking, hey, who cares if the guy can get after the quarterback to this level? He's going to be a big help to the Titans. Rashad Weaver's inactive in this game. I can't explain that. I don't know if there is some big communication problem between John Robinson and Mike Vrabel where John Robinson continues to bring in and draft people that when they get here, Mike Vrabel doesn't like them and doesn't use them, or if John Robinson has just been bad about bringing people in. But either way, this cannot continue to be the result. And I'm not just talking about getting your brains beaten in on the scoreboard. I'm talking about guys you bring in to contribute, not even seeing the field very much. I don't have that big a problem with Weaver in that. Weaver had a huge first game in the preseason and then got quiet after that. And so if for this game, Roberson had a better prep week than Weaver, and they actually decided early in the week because Weaver was scout teaming it, well, then we'll see which one they go with this week. But haven't we seen Roberson? Well, Roberson, yes. their story is that Roberson had a huge offseason and, <laughs> and made a much better uh, I mean, I, look, I, I, I understand practice is important. I'm the one that was preaching that these guys probably should have practiced together some more <laughs> and the first game would have looked better. But my goodness, I don't want to hear about guys having a great week of prep. And when I see the results on Sunday, and I've seen enough of Roberson to know he's not ultimately going to get it done. I want to see Rashad Weaver. Because that guy showed some natural ability to get after the quarterback and in get in the game. backfield. In one game against Let's see backups. it in an actual NFL game. Maybe he's a gamer. Maybe he had a rough week no of practice. No such thing in the NFL as a gamer. What have we seen from Derek Roberson, Paul? I, I, I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying of all the things well, we could pick at them should, apart, you're I'm, not, I'm not big on this one. I, there's I, no, okay, there's no such thing as a gamer. The Titans just brought in the literal definition of a gamer in Julio Jones, who did not practice. 
yep. for the Falcons. And we were told all preseason it would not matter Roberson, with Julio Jones. Roberson, so don't give me that there is no game because they brought in one. Roberson played 19 snaps. I don't think the 19 snaps for the third outside linebacker were a decisive thing in this game. They I'm, not, I'm not saying problem. Weaver is decisive in this game. It is an overall storyline of this team right now that they don't have a rookie class that's oh, going to that, contribute. That for sure. Well, Weaver needs to be in the lineup. Dylan Raiders sure. needs to be in the well, lineup. I would Caleb go first Farley and should be starting on defense. First and second rounders, I would go for sure. But the, the fact of the matter is, I, I, and I'll be, I, I, if the Elijah Molden is allowed to come in and start and, and, uh, and nickel whenever they need a starting nickel, Rashad Weaver can be active on game day. The guy that Mole, uh, the guy that Farley should knock out a lineup is Jenkins, not. Um, Fulton, who was probably the best player on defense yesterday. Yeah, Fulton was okay. And I don't know if they'll sit Jackrabbit Jenkins when the time comes. But based on how he played yesterday, that's the guy who should go, right? There's a lot of overreaction to week one across the league, but the, this this Titans team... It, they gave a I lot of calls never, for overreaction. I never thought we would be just discussing how this team needs a wake-up call after one game. And it, again, it's not that they lost the game. We sat here on Friday and predicted that the Arizona Cardinals are going to win. It's how they lost because they were lifeless. This game was never in doubt. Derrick Henry for the 67,000 fans that were ready to buy in to what they were going to see on game day. That was a good atmosphere. And by there, the way. it was great. Yeah. And then there was they put them nothing. all to sleep. Derrick Henry nothing. gave a speech to them and said after the game, I felt like we were lackadaisical and everybody was just standing around. This is not an outspoken guy who got up and was outspoken. And he knows he didn't do his part, but he also didn't have anybody making a hole for him. Some bigger issues as they go into week two. And throughout this week, we're going to be previewing uh, and, and dissecting the matchup of the Titans and Seahawks. Some big issues as well with the Tennessee Volunteers. However, there it's a little bit different scenario this year with the COVID year and all the different players that were in and out of that door this off season. But the one that was there for what, 17 days before the season, Joe Milton of practice time. Yep. Is he the decided starter this week as we move forward on this schedule against Tennessee tech and eventually Florida, or do they start thinking more about Hendon hooker based on performance? We'll discuss that and more straight ahead on OutKick 360. Uh, Negative out in L.A. is USC firing Clay Helton. Or is it a positive? Yeah, well. Hutton called. I mean, uh, Chad Chad. called for that just a few hours ago. I said pretty definitively, Clay Helton will be fired either after the season or during the season. One guess each. Guess which coach is trending for the job on Twitter. Lane Kiffin. Legitimately. Okay, Lane Kiffin's one. Oh, Jeff Fisher. You'll, you guys will. I don't. Uh, Jeff Fisher is. No, just, it's not. Jeff his Fisher. time is. Lane past. Kiffin's a great option here. It may be the winner. Uh, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll also a strong guess. The winner is Urban Meyer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Urban Meyer is trending as the next head coach for USC and he's after take one a, game next week. I did see someone tweet me and say, "Urban's about to have some heart problems, <laughs> some medical problems here very yeah, soon." He's feeling a little faint. Oh, uh, shout out to David Reed, uh, who has oh, made absolutely. it happen with the Outkick Dennis. Radio Network all weekend and Dennis. really the last two weeks. Uh, with him and Fox and Outkick and Skyview and everyone making it happen over this uh, last week and a half or so with the equipment. 
big thank you. We're wearing the headsets today because we are live on the radio, Florence, Alabama, uh, Muscle Shoals, Fox Sports Shoals. Uh, we are live each evening. Uh, you can hear us in each evening in Knoxville, Tennessee, and soon, very soon, across the great state of Tennessee, Alabama, and Kentucky. That's all coming up on the Outkick Network. Uh, David Reed is the chairman of the board for all that. We'll have more announcements coming up about other affiliates and where you can now hear the show. If people were confused about the headsets today that we're wearing for the first time since we've been on this medium, that's why. We are now a radio show also. David Reed has uh, done uh, yeoman's work all weekend to get us ready and during uh, this show as well. And at one point, Hutton, I looked over at David Reed, and he looked like Zach Galifianakis' character. He really did. In The Hangover, almost seeing everything in the log, uh, algorithms in front of him, if you will. Uh, really brilliant to see. The Vols had to burn timeouts. They had, what, 13 penalties against Pitt. 13 uh, for 134. Yeah, there you go. That, that kind of tells the story right there. Uh, of course, they had the quarterback change due to injury when Milton was hit. Um, and it ended up being – it sounds bad. It was in the Vols' benefit – for the game because Hooker was the better quarterback on Saturday. Milton, Chad, is listed as the starter, but, Paul, you say you Milton's would go with – Milton's done. Yeah, I yeah. don't understand this ur- urge people have to hold on to him. He cannot connect. You, you don't, at this stage of a quarterback's maturation project, uh, process, calibrate a quarterback and improve his accuracy. He is what he is. He can't connect. He's got open receivers flying downfield, and he can't find them. Go to the guy who looked better. What do you think, Hooker was better. I mean, I think that's definitely the concern. Uh, We talked about that after one game, that maybe this guy's just not very accurate. And now two games uh, (laughs) that we've seen, I think it's starting to trend more in that direction. I mean, there's something that these coaches have seen. We're going back to the practice thing. Well, he is. That they've seen in practice that that (laughs) made them want to start him. I get it. Like, it's difficult to watch him throw a pass and not think, oh, elite arm talent, he's our guy. But there's no touch on it. it. It doesn't matter if you're throwing ten, if you're overthrowing your receiver by ten yards on passes that are just layups. Look here, I drew a picture. These are different. <laughs> these are different passes. See, they have different arcs on them. Yes. Joe Milton has no idea what this picture is about, and if you have no idea well, what this arc, picture is about, <laughs> if you have no idea what this picture is about, you take this and you throw it away. Another big issue, Chad. Running back. Well, let me let me give you okay. uh, let me go discouraging, encouraging go ahead. Uh, with this performance. Okay, I like this segment. Let's go discouraging <laughs> first. Okay, so it's, apparently I've been way We're too negative. So negative. Today. Uh, discouraging is thirteen penalties, one hundred thirty-four yards, three turnovers. That's the sign of a team that's not very well coached, uh, quite frankly. And that was a problem for Tennessee in, in this game. Um, encouraging, all of those problems. And the fact you're starting quarterback, your first two running backs are out, mm-hmm. your best receiver is out, uh, your best pass rusher was still serving a two-game suspension from the NCAA. I, I think you factor all that in and see a, a pretty good pit team on the other side with a future NFL quarterback and Kenny Pickett. You factor all that in, and Tennessee still is a possession away and a fourth down pickup away from tying that game late in the fourth quarter. That's encouraging for the players they have on this roster, but I also just see it as a huge missed opportunity because if you clean it up a little bit in this game, they're minus three in turnovers in this game, all the penalties. If you clean it up a little bit, they're going to beat Pitt uh, in this game. And I'll say this on the encouraging side too, on the plus side coaching. One, the fact that Mike Eckler 
the special teams coach told the broadcast team, we're going to block a punt. I like that. First one of the game. They said, watch out for this. Great play. He saw something where they did on film, and they blocked it to start the game. Amazing to hear that from a coaching staff. Two, I have bemoaned the fact for years that I flip the dial and watch college football, and every single team seemingly has wide-open guys streaking down the field for them. And Tennessee never's had that. Well, they had that. They didn't hit the first four, but they hit it later. But the fact they scheme things up offensively to have wide open guys down the field is a good thing. I thought the little Tim Tebow-like pop pass for the touchdown from Hooker where he faked the run and little jump pass to Jacob Warren was nice. So all in all, pretty encouraging for Tennessee, but you got to clean things up. Coming up tomorrow, I want to get into how Josh Heupel has to pull in the reins a bit in one area of this team We'll get into that, plus we'll recap Monday Night Football and much more. The debut of radio and video. Hit us on the podcast, post-show as well. Find us on Twitter at OutKick360 and wherever you download your podcast. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.